0: Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, experiencing the outdoors, and having epic adventures. At Hunt the West, my number one goal for you is to get out and hunt. I'm Skyler Harrison. Thanks for tuning in today. Today, I want to give you an update on my scouting trip that I did for High Country Mule Deer. So I'm just going to give you a quick recap. I've got uh, an archery Mule Deer tag starting in mid-August and... Anyway, I learned a lot of stuff on this and it just goes to show that you can't always rely on previous years experiences and expect things to be the same. So I'm super glad that I went up and scouted this year because a lot of things changed. I learned some things about my gear and I need to get those things taken care of. And once I get those fixed, I will be ready for season. So... Um, let's just jump right in. So with my new work schedule, I don't get as many days off, so I have to be a weekend warrior, I guess, like most people (laughs) like, uh, but, um, so if you're, anyway, if you're working a nine to five office job like me and you get limited PTO and you want to know how to make the best out of a scouting day, I think this is the way to do it. So first off, choosing a unit that is close to your house is going to make it a lot easier to scout in a single day. So if it's really close, you can even do a morning or an evening hike up in there and have a pretty effective day. My unit is pretty close. It's about an hour drive plus about a three hour hike or so to get into the glassing spot. So it's not crazy close, but it's, it's a lot closer than other places. You know, it's not a multiple day thing. So there are some huntable areas, about two hours hiking in, But I found the most consistent success finding deer, taking that extra hour in. So all in all, if I hustle, if I leave my house, I can be glassing in about four hours. So that makes it tough if you want to be up there at first light, which right now this time of year is like 5.30 or 6 a.m. So I'd have to leave my house at like 1.30 or 2 in the morning, which isn't ideal. So what I've done to make the most out of my scouting trip is to leave the night before, you know, put the kids to bed. You know, put the house to bed, everything, good to go, and then I run down to the trailhead and sleep in the back of my truck. So I put the canvas cutter back there. I mean, it's seriously the best setup because you can sleep a little bit longer and be right at the trailhead when it's time to hike. So I woke up at four, headed up the trail after a solid night rest in my canvas cutter. And the nice thing about the canvas cutter is you can set it up inside your car, or you can just if you don't have room for that like if you don't have a like an suv or a truck or something you can just lay it right next to your vehicle and be set up really quickly and quietly and then cleaned up really quickly and quietly so the trailhead that i go to is by campground and i'm not even sure if you're allowed to camp in the parking lot so the canvas cutter makes that really nice because nobody knows you're there plus i get there at like 11 or midnight and I'm gone by four, so there's not a whole lot of opportunity for someone to catch me, even if they did see me. So anyway, that's just a little shout out to Canvas Cutter, which you guys know I love. And you can use code HTW for 10% off if you're going to buy one over there. Or if you have any questions about anything, you just let me know. I will always be happy to answer questions about Canvas Cutter or anything else for that matter. So you can email me at skylar at huntthewest.us and I'll answer anything you got. So anyway, big fan of that setup because it allows me to spend the evening with my wife and kids, put them to bed and then I can bomb down to the trailhead, get a good night's sleep and hike in before sunrise. So that's what I did on this last trip. Hiked in and immediately I started getting some hot spots on my heels about two miles in. So I've I've broken these boots in. They just don't quite fit me right, and I'm actually gonna talk about that a little bit later about the boot situation. But anyway, I want I wanted to power through because it was getting light, and I was like, it was, you know, I I was getting close to the, the glassing prime time, and I didn't want to stop and like doctor my feet. But I took my own advice. I stopped immediately before they turned into blisters. Put some Luko tape on my heels, and then when I was about to do that, I realized that I forgot my gray pouch. Now, if you don't know about my gray pouch, I did a video on it. I'll I'll link that video in the show notes. But it has a lot of little items that I need and it is just a, a nice organizational tool. So I just grabbed that gray pouch and I know that I have everything. But I didn't do that this time and it was really dumb. So it has my battery pack for charging my phone and my satellite messenger. It's got extra batteries for my headlamp. It's got a little first aid kit, a lighter, a small Leatherman with scissors for cutting up the Leuco tape. It's got a tourniquet, gauze, quick clot, you know, all that first aid stuff. I even keep a pair of earplugs in there. If you know, we've got a windy night with a flapping tent or a a snoring hunting partner or something. I've got a knife sharpener in there, extra contacts, painkillers, band-aids, all that stuff, like tons of stuff in there. But I forgot that. And luckily I threw a roll, an entire roll of Leukotape in my pack at the last minute because I knew that I had used up the, the last of it. I usually wrap it around my lighter and then keep it in my gray pouch. So luckily I had the Tape. and then I always have, you know, my everyday carry knife. So I could just cut that and, and tape up my heels so that saved me, even though I didn't even though I didn't bring it, I I had a backup, I guess. So anyway, tape is awesome. Um, I'll leak that stuff in there too. You can just buy it on Amazon. So I didn't get blisters. Although I did not make it to the top at first light like I had planned to, because I I was slowed down a little bit by that. Anyway, so I got to that first area where where I usually see some deer, about two hours of hiking in. And sure enough, right in that very First spot there's this travel corridor and I see two bucks. One of them was up high silhouetted on the ridge, one of them is about the same elevation as me on the same side hill. They're both pretty small bucks, but um, this year I'm going to just take the first legal buck that is in bow range that I can get a good clean ethical shot on. I know how hard it is to get in range, so I I'm, I'm just going to take every opportunity <laughs> to get those stalking reps in so i have the best chance at success so yeah it's all those two bucks and if it were opening day i would have tried to get closer but i had this buck at 65 yards and he had no idea i was there it was pretty awesome for a first you know the first, very first moments of the scouting day anyway i pushed through i uh kept running into deer so i had to slow way down i, I wasn't up to the glassing spot until about 7 30 or 7 45 which was still good but like the steer the The, the deer are still up and moving, but I think those big bucks usually go to bed earlier than the rest do. So the first thing I noticed was that when I got into the zone, there was the, like the vegetation was just way greener and thicker and taller than last year. So we've gotten a lot of rain around here in Utah this spring and this summer, like early summer which is pretty unusual. And, and that rain showed there are all kinds of things that I'm looking at when I'm scouting, but vegetation and water is probably at the top of the list. I mean, location of deer, obviously, but, but also during the year, um, earlier, like when I'm not scouting, I pay attention to the weather and the snow levels because all of that influences where the deer are going to be and how they're going to behave come opening day. So the first thing I noticed was that vegetation was thick and there was just lots of food just about everywhere you go up there. But I wasn't seeing any running streams or creeks. So last year they were running like crazy. There was like little trickles and little springs everywhere. But like water was not an issue as far as being up there in the high country for an extended period of time. But as I got into early September last year, things Dried up completely, so I thought because we'd been getting so much rain, it would be the same this year. But I was totally wrong. I knew we were a little bit lighter on the snowpack this year, just from paying attention to that during the year. But I thought that we got enough later in the winter that would make up for it. But anyway, but what turned out to be true—not you know, challenger or something assumptions, right? But turned out to be true was that I that we had lower than normal snowpack, which translates to lower water levels. And that rain was just good for the short-term food sources. So what I ended up noticing was that it's really good for antler growth this year. So I saw about the same number of bucks, but they were on average a noticeable amount bigger than last year. Lots of tall three and four point bucks. So I'll get into that a little bit more. So anyway, I made my way up to the main glassing spot. And then I started moving around to another glassing spot to get a new angle on this this higher basin. And as I did that, three bucks were spooked by something else and they were headed straight at me. So I grabbed my tripod, sat behind this little rock, set up my phone to try and get a video because I don't have a spotting scope or anything like that. But it was pretty nice, tall, like the nice tall three by four. And at first I thought it was this buck that we saw last year, which is called the silver stallion, because he had a very similar color on his head and was, he was a little bit bigger than he was last year. And so I took some videos and compared some pictures and I actually decided that it wasn't him. It was just another nice buck. The silver stallion had like these really small G2s that kind of pointed backwards, almost like, like extras, but this buck was more typical with taller G2s and and forward facing G3s. Nice buck though. I posted a picture of him in my Instagram stories. Um, So if you saw that, that's the one I was talking about, but he was with another buck about the same size as him, maybe a little bit smaller and then a small KG three point buck. So I don't know what spooked them, but if it was a coyote or something, I didn't see any people in that area and I was the only car at the trailhead. So maybe a coyote or something, I'm not sure, but I saw some mountain lion scat up in the cliffs after I went up there by where those bucks came from. So I know they're up there. I've never seen one. I've never seen a mountain lion in that area, but anyway, it could have been anything. So anyway, I saw those three bucks. That was nice. Um, But the next thing that was on my mind, scouting this area was not just like finding deer, which I was seeing, which is good, which you always want to see. But the next thing that was on my mind was just water. So Ross, my hunting partner, he had been up there before and he warned me that there wasn't water running up high. So he stashed some collapsible eight liter jugs at our camp spot so that later, um, we could, we could fill them up and then store them at camp. So we didn't have to drop down to the, there's a spring down lower. So anyway, later in the afternoon, after I had glassed a little bit, I, I went down back to that, to that camp. And grabbed those those uh, those water jugs, and then you drop about 800 vert- vertical feet. Um, there's this spring. I think the Forest Service put in like a like a pipe or something into a spring. Anyway, that's that's always been running, so that's nice having that water source. But it's still like quite a quite a bit of a drop. So um, anyway, I dropped down. I loaded up 19 liters of of extra water. So I had those two. Plus my own personal three liter and I just loaded that up on the EXO mountain gear pack. So this year, uh, as far as like a little gear item to highlight this year, I got the Exo mountain gear. They, they have an accessory called the crib load panel or something like that. It's like this tough panel with holes in it. That's really heavy duty, but it's really lightweight and it just sits between the bag and the frame and you can use it to secure heavy loads. Of awkward shaped things, you know like meat and you don't have to use the bag to sandwich it So anyway, it came in handy with these big jugs of water Because the the straps there's there's just a couple straps That you use to secure your, your load between the bag and the frame and having that that sort of mesh It's not really mesh. It just it's like a a panel. Yeah, so it's like a panel of a fabric That's really heavy duty that can compress those jugs against your shoulder blades and then keeping that weight high up on your back close to your shoulder blades is where you can carry the most weight so anyway big fan of that accessory i use it as a training accessory too using a 50 bag pound of um like water softener salt i use that when i train too so so yeah i loaded up the 22 liters of water that weighs about 55 pounds plus all my gear that i was carrying which wasn't much honestly probably about 15 pounds i'm guessing so a total of 70 pounds on my back. So anyway, it just goes to show that you really do need to train to carry loads if you're going to be successful up in the high country. So because water is everything up there, if you can't, if you can't get water, you're not going to be staying for multiple days. So being able to pack that in where we need it will allow us to stay up closer to the glassing points, staying closer to camp. So we don't have to waste time dropping down to get water too often. And more glassing time just means, more chances of seeing stuff and glassing in in archery season for mule deer is like the name of the game. While I was down getting water, actually a thunderstorm came in, which was actually kind of cool. It was like thunder and hail and rain for about 30 minutes. I got pretty wet and, uh, but my feet got really wet from all the vegetation. So it would like hit my pants and then go down my socks and get wet on the inside. I realized when it started raining and I started, my feet started getting wet that I hadn't put mink oil on my boots. And I don't even know how much it would have helped just because the, the water was coming in from the top, like from my pants and wicking down my socks into the inside of the boot. So anyway, that was a a mistake. Maybe I should have like taken gaiters or something. Um, I don't know, but my feet got wet and anyway, that was fine. Um, I just, I don't like getting leather boots uh, wet on the inside. It's just tough to dry them out. Anyway, so I packed up all that stuff, went up to the glassing spot, found a comfy spot, laid out my boots and my socks out on a sunny rock. You know, those thunderstorms, they don't last long. But, and then I, I took my inserts out of my boots too. And then when I took those out, they basically just disintegrated in my hands. So I don't know what cheap adhesive they use to put these things together. It sucks, whatever it is. And it took me forever to get those things back in the boot and not wrinkled up. So, and then also my boots just don't fit quite right, which I kind of knew from last year. So here, okay, here's the deal about these boots. I'll tell you the whole story about these boots and why I've, I've just put off getting better ones for a long time. So like 10 years ago, when I got these boots, They're called a high, high tech altitudes. They used to be made in America and they last me a super long time. I never got blisters or had any issues with them, not being waterproof or anything like that. But eventually they, their boots, you know, they wear out. So they started wearing out and I started slipping because the tread was just gone. Everything else about the boot was fine. Um, So I was just like, I'm just going to get the same exact pair, same brand. Everything I should be good to go um however, when I went to buy them they i like the reviews had changed like a lot of people were complaining about the quality of them and keep in mind this is like this is like a hundred dollar boot so like seventy to a hundred dollars depending like you can find a sale and get them for seventy bucks so anyway they I got these for probably around that price point um, after they wore out. And then they still fit really well, but they just didn't hold up. So they lasted like a year, maybe two. And then the soles started coming off again. And I tried gluing them back on, but they just kept breaking. Um, And eventually I was like, hey, they're just, they're budget boots. I might have to get new ones every year, but at least I don't get blisters. And they keep my feet dry um, when they're not falling apart. So I'm like, that's fine. Like I'll just buy them once a year, whenever they fall apart. And you know, it's just, that's the deal with, with a budget boot. So then last year I got new ones again, but they had changed the design a little bit. It had better tread, which was good, but they had a slightly different fit and they just kind of hit my toes in a weird way. And after a day or two, I just, I'd have really sore spots on my big toe where the, where the boot has to crease at the top of the, at the top of my foot. And it really stuck out last year because I didn't want to switch boots in the middle of the season. And I, I don't, anyway, I knew I could just tough it out for one more season, even though it was just causing really, really sore spots. But this year I put them on again and I immediately realized that when they got wet, all those tiny little problems came together for a giant fail. So that like not hitting, they're just kind of hitting my toe wrong. And then the, them not being waterproof anymore, I dried them, them out the best I could, but even in just one day. So on the scouting trip, I, I did about 12 miles of hiking and my feet were just super sore and tender to the touch. Like I didn't have any blisters or anything thanks to the Luko tape, but I just had sore, tired, red, tender feet after the day was over. So anyway, that prompted, all of that has just prompted me to do some research on boots and this is kind of an endless topic, probably. <laughs> but I ended up looking at some Krispies and some Hanwags. Um, but I didn't want to order something online without first trying them on. So we have a shop here locally in Black o- Black Ovis. Um, a lot of you probably heard of them online, but they have a storefront here in Salt Lake. And I have a buddy that works there. And anyway, it turns out everyone and their dog is trying to get the- a hand... <laughs> trying to get their hands on a pair of crispies. Um, especially the crispy Laponias right now, they were the ones that I was looking at. Um, they didn't have my size and nowhere on the internet had them either. So I I couldn't try them on in the right size. So I went for a different boot that fit really well. So I ended up just getting, I got the Hanwag the Macra combis and they just fit my feet perfectly. I've been wearing them around the house for a few days. I'm actually wearing them right now. And so far, they're pretty comfortable. But they're way different than what I'm used to. So I'm used to, the boot that I had before was super flexible, and it was leather. So these are stiff boots, and they're Gore-Tex. So I don't know what the flex rating is on those old boots that I had. The scale goes from 1 to 5. So 5 would be like a mountaineering boot. Really, really stiff. A one would be no stiffness at all. You could just fold it in half like a running shoe. I'm guessing my old boots, my leather ones, were probably like a 1.5, maybe a two. But these Hanwags that I got are a four. So <laughs> I think most people in the hunting world, like Western hunting stuff, they get like a three flex. It's kind of middle of the road. That's what the Crispy Nevada is. That's their leather boot. That's what Ross runs. It's a, it's a three Uh, on the stiffness or flex rating. Anyway, I'm used to trail running shoes. So I was going to lean towards somewhere on the light and the flexible side of things. But when I put on these Hanwags, they fit so well and I just decided to give them a try. So anyway, they say that once you get in a stiffer boot, you'll never go back. The jury's still out on that. Um, So anyway, I will report back once I get some mountain miles in because right now just in my kitchen, they feel pretty good, but who knows? So anyway, that is the super long story of the boots, but that was the main thing that I learned on this scouting trip was that I need to get my boots fixed. Um, water, we solved the water problem up there and then the antler growth is off the charts this year, which is awesome. So I saw like three or four pretty nice four points all with like really tall racks, like bigger than way bigger than last year. I mean, there were one or two big bucks on the whole mountain last year. And in one day of scouting, I saw three or four like nice ones that are bigger than those two from last year. So, well, as big or bigger than, you know, Ironside or silver stallion. So anyway, that was just one day. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked to uh, see what we turn up. Um, so it's going to be me and Ross and Colby. Uh so there's going to be three tags in camp. Um Ross has taken his recurve this year, so I don't know what his plans are, but well, I'm sure we'll have him on the podcast talking about everything, but you guys, it's here. It's today is August, let's see what day is this going to go live. This will probably go live on August 16th. So if it, if it's August sixteenth, I'm going hunting on August twentieth. So this is exciting. Um, it's coming up real quick. The I, as I said before, I'm going to be stalking everything that's legal. I'm going to be drawing back on everything. Like if if it presents a shot, I'm going to take it. As long as it's an ethical an, an, ethanol, an ethical shot, I'm going to be taking it, no matter the size of the buck because I just need to get something down with my bow. Um, I think Colby and Ross are going to be holding out for something a little bit bigger. I don't know. Ross might lower his standards a little bit trying to get it with the recurve. I told him he has to shave his beard if he doesn't notch his tag with his recurve. So we'll see if he does or not. But anyway, you guys should uh, pester him on that one. Cause I think it'd be good motivation for him. Cause he, yeah, you know, it's not easy getting stuff with a recurve. So a little bit of motivation like that might, might be the, the thing that pushes him over the edge and makes him get that, that recurve instead of eating tag soup. So anyway, I think that's pretty much it for the scouting trip. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the prospects. I think, uh, yeah, we're going to stick to the plan of, of glassing a lot, and then I think one of the ways that that I didn't really use as much last year that I think I might want to try this year is a little bit more of an ambush style of hunting. So because the the ground can get really crunchy, I know it's been wet up there now, but that things could can't change. It's really steep, rocky terrain, and stalking in on stuff is just it's just really really tough. Um, I successfully did it when it was windy. On Ironside, even though I just couldn't make the final shot, and then the other buck that I had a shot at last year was an ambush situation and I think it's just gonna be a better way to uh find an ambush spot, find one that works with the wind. and I have a few spots in mind, so anyway, it should be a good year. I'm stoked. If you guys have upcoming hunts, let me know about them and what your plans are. I love hearing from you guys uh like I said in pretty much every episode I answer every email and every dm on instagram so feel free to contact me with either in either of those ways by email and instagram those things will be linked in the description but yeah if you're a weekend warrior like me and you need to get a scouting trip in that's the way i would suggest doing it is choosing an area that's close to your house bombing in the night before or early in the morning if you're if you're close to your area and then just hunting the stuff that you, that you have access to, you just got to make it work. So this year I might, I, I have zero PTO. Like I have a trip, a family trip coming up in October and I just switched jobs. And so I have an accumulated PTO. So anyway, I'm, I have like zero PTO for hunting. So I'm basically going to be just restricted to the weekends at this point. So anyway, I might be lighter on the days in the field this year, <laughs> but I'm going to do the best I can to fill my tags. And, uh, yeah. So if you have any questions, let me know, hit me up and, um, hopefully you can use some of these ideas for your scouting season. So get out there and hunt the West.